On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, a new report with some drone footage evidence to back it up suggests that the Tesla semi-truck has entered initial limited production. Plus, Model 3 impresses another law enforcement agency as a police car, Tesla adds more crazy merch to their online shop, and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you alongside Daisy the Boxer, a.k.a. the source of the best news in my life this week. I will tell you about that towards the end of the show. Here with you for episode 333. That would be like an ultimate palindrome. I don't know. Is there an official term for that? It's definitely a palindrome. Same number forwards and backwards. I don't know if there's a official term for when it's the exact same three numbers, forwards or backwards, but it is episode 333 for December 19th, 2021. I am recording early this week, late Thursday night, due to an event I have uh, that I have coming up on Friday night. So uh, as always, if I miss anything big on Friday, I will recap and analyze it for you on next week's episode, but I would always rather do the show a little early than a little late. Want to make sure those of you who are kind enough to back me on Patreon get a little bonus out of that rather than suffer by getting your early access later than you would, rather you have it earlier. Uh, Before I get going this week, too, I wanted to say thank you to everyone who tweeted or emailed me, and it was a bunch of you, about my slacker issues that I was complaining about. Slacker being flaky, being unreliable, uh, just holding up, you know, not buffering entire songs and not loading new songs at all. It sounds like I am very much not the only one, which still doesn't fix the situation, but at least makes me feel better that it's not a physical problem with my car, like with my LTE, my, you know, my cellular modem or anything like that. In fact, hilariously, it started performing much better for me, like a lot better pretty much normal, like how it should work. Starting on Monday, which was the day after the show went live, it was almost as if someone at Tesla who works on the software team heard the show, went in and looked at it, and tweaked something on the back end. Now, I'm sure that's not the case. I am saying that with a smile on my face while I'm half laughing. I just can't, I mean, realistically, I can't imagine that this podcast has anywhere near that kind of influence, nor would the solution necessarily be that simple. But the bottom line is, whatever the reason, it was performing better for me this week, which I'm grateful for. I don't know if it'll last. I don't know if it's performing better this week for anybody else. Kind of keep an eye on it. We'll keep talking about it. Because at least, you know, there are people that work at Tesla that listen to this podcast. So uh, if if you guys keep letting me know that it's a problem and I keep seeing that it's a problem, I can keep talking about it. And hopefully eventually we can we can all help point Tesla towards a solution. And again, maybe that's already started to happen. I don't know. We'll see how the coming days and, you know, next couple of weeks go with Slacker. But in any case, uh, so... With the palindrome thing, episode 333, I can't even speak today. That's not a good sign. 
Poetic justice would mean that this would be a Model 3-centric episode. And though I will say a couple of the stories that I'm going to tell you about this week are about the Model 3, the biggest story that I'm going to start with is about Tesla's literal biggest vehicle. So we will start right there. And that is the Tesla semi-truck. Tesla is rumored to have begun limited production of the Tesla semi at Giga Nevada. This comes from Tesla insider Sawyer Merritt, who seems to be on quite a roll lately with his insider tips. Well, uh, Sawyer had this to say on Twitter, quote, a source has informed me that the Tesla semi is now in limited production. Key word here is limited, he says in all caps. This has been independently corroborated by drone footage taken today, as he tweeted that earlier this week, of the Giga Nevada semi-production building and sent to me. A source has informed me that the Tesla semi is now in limited production. Oh, sorry, that got copied and pasted twice. Uh, he says, if Pepsi does receive some Tesla semis this year, I view it as a customer test program. Pepsi will use them in the real world and relay info back to Tesla on how it goes and what they can improve. At least that's my guess. Volume production slash deliveries won't start until 2023, end quote. Well, I do wonder now, uh, we have confirmation that these semis are, are getting spit out. Again, you can see them on drone footage at Giga Nevada online on the internet. It's this, the Tesla semi tearing around the parking lot. Uh, and it's a white one out of curiosity, if you're curious. I wonder if Pepsi will actually get any of them by the end of the month, which is, you know, what, two weeks to go, which uh, if they do, I believe in fairness, that would necessitate me eating a big old plate of crow in response to my comments on this very podcast not that long ago when I doubted that exact possibility. You may remember Pepsi CEO Ramon LaGuarta saying recently that he was expecting deliveries of them this quarter. Now, I suppose even if they only get one, it counts. And then that would count as a delivery. So uh, I will say, in, in seriousness, I bet Tesla will purposely wait and deliver them multiple semis at once and not just each one as it finishes production. Uh, I could be very wrong about that. I'm basing that on nothing other than a, a gut feeling about Tesla wanting to kind of make a nice show, a nice presentation to one of their biggest clients on this and to a company who is effectively partnering with them on a voluntary paid beta testing situation. I, they may very well end up just delivering them one at a time as they get finished, but I suspect there will be more than one at the handoff whenever that happens. You know, I, I wonder what the build time is on each truck right now, which obviously is at the very beginning of production. Like, is it one truck a day? Like, is that, is it less than that? Is Does, does one of them take two days or three days or can they do two in one day? I, I kind of would just be curious to know what the situation is at the moment, but in any case, uh, I, I believe Sawyer is correct, thinking right along with what I said back when Mr. LaGuarta first made his comments about expecting the Tesla semi this quarter, and that being that Tesla, excuse me, that Pepsi 
might effectively be, as I said, knowing paid beta testers for the semi, going out there, putting it through real world paces, using it in the real world to do actual business and then providing feedback to the Tesla semi team for them to implement, uh, to make the truck better for when it goes into general volume production in 2023. You know, also one more thing here. I'm curious, will autopilot on the Tesla semi be ready on this first batch of them? My gut again, which is all I have to go off of here, but my gut based on Tesla history says no. My gut says that Tesla will have the hardware in place on the trucks, but that the software will be activated later after, you know, once it's actually ready. I mean, just getting these trucks onto the road is going to be a major endeavor. And and also, by the way, a huge accomplishment. I would imagine that autopilot on a semi-truck, that's something that's never been done before, to the best of my knowledge, particularly a semi-truck with a full trailer load behind it on autopilot is its own monumental challenge that I suspect will come later after Tesla with the help of Pepsi, has done more validation on the trucks themselves. Exciting times ahead, though, regardless here. So the Tesla Semi, maybe 2021 won't go by without a vehicle officially launching from Tesla because 2020 had the Model Y. 2019, we did not have a new vehicle. 2018, we did not have a new vehicle. 2017, the Model 3. I mean, I guess you could say the new Model S and X in 2021. I mean, I, eh, I mean, it's it's a refreshed vehicle. It is, you know, they retooled the production lines. You could make the argument, but a call it just a brand new, never before introduced vehicle. 2021 may indeed just sneak in the Tesla Semi right at the end of the year. Which, if it does, that means 2022. We'll be looking for the Cybertruck. 2023, we'll be looking for the Roadster. And then beyond that, remains to be seen. Next up this week, speaking of the new Model S and Model X, orders for those new vehicles, new versions, are no longer being taken outside of North America. I saw this on the Tesla Motors Reddit, posted by user KrautGamer, who uh, themselves has an order for a new Model S in Germany and received this email directly from Tesla. Uh, Here's the rough Google translation. Quote, we are contacting you regarding the timing of your Model S order. While we are expanding production capacity, launch dates for markets outside of North America have been pushed back. We will notify you of delivery times via your Tesla account as production of your Model S approaches. Currently, we expect deliveries outside of North America to begin in the second half of 2022 to expedite the delivery of existing orders, including your Model S order, as much as possible. We are currently no longer accepting new orders for the Model S and Model X from markets outside of North America. The price of your Model S will remain the same as it was when you placed your order, unless your vehicle configuration has been changed. If you would like to apply your order charge to another model or receive a full refund, request and call to speak directly, blah, blah, blah. We apologize for any inconvenience this may have caused, sincerely, the Tesla team. Well, 
Uh, this is obviously bad news, uh, really. And and okay, you could say it's not bad news for Tesla because they have tons of demand, but it's bad news for you guys, the audience. It's bad news for customers. It just it I would say it doesn't necessarily speak well to the new SNX's production ramp happening very quickly. I would imagine. Or the other, I think, very fair possibility to to try and be very fair here. The ramp may be going just fine, but perhaps the demand in North America is so great that Tesla is choosing to prioritize cars for this market for manufacturing efficiency's sake and taking what they feel is perhaps the lesser of two evils approach and not stopping down on production at any point to switch things over for European production, which, you know, requires among lots of other little things, a different charge port. So, you know, the, they, the car is built slightly differently when it goes to markets outside of North America. So perhaps it's that, perhaps it's the production ramp not being as quick as they'd hoped. Either way, it's not great news for those of you outside of North America who are interested in a new Model S or Model X. And I would say, uh, not to split hairs here, and, and I'm not certainly trying to pit one one of you over another, but I would say I feel slightly worse for those of you outside of North America who want the new Model X, only because there's just nothing else in the category. There is no, com- there's not even a comparable product to the Model X. And since there there isn't another all-electric long range, full size SUV. You know, the, the Jaguar I-Pace is pretty small. The Audi e-tron is not really, I, I, to the best of my knowledge, it's not really model X size. So whereas the S like, okay, you've got N at least one decent other option. You could say two, you could say uh, Lucid being the second one, although they're, you know, just starting production, but the Porsche Taycan, and I'm not, you know, there are pluses and minuses to to each car, but it, it the bottom line is it's just not great for anybody that's, that's wanting to get their hands on one of those two vehicles. Now, we do know for a fact that the Model S and the X are now down to one shared production line, whereas... They each used to have their own production line in Fremont, so I wonder if perhaps that is a factor with all of this as well. Um, but it's it's just it's it's frustrating because if you've you know you're you're spending a lot of money with Tesla to get either of those two cars, and you're trying to give them a lot of money, and they can't get you a car. Which is uh, which has really got to be a frustrating situation. Now, yes, first world problem for sure, but still a very frustrating situation. So I feel for any of you out there that are uh, that are trying to get your hands on the new SRX outside of North America. Next up this week, a review of the Model Three. At this point, four almost and a half years into production, officially, a review of the Model Three is pretty old news unless it comes from a law enforcement agency. This story comes via the driven.io website, who writes, a Tesla Model 3 electric sedan is being used in a trial by uh, UK police. Well, it has passed that trial with flying colors, 
according to a report from Tesla Emergency Services lead Max Tues Hobson. Quote, public response to seeing our active units has been mind-blowing. The press articles have been positive as well. As an engagement tool, we're seeing incredible results, he reported on LinkedIn. Having proven it can easily do a four-hour blue light run, as it is colloquially called in the UK when an emergency vehicle drives with its lights on and sirens blaring, the modified Tesla Model 3 performance has performed over 200 miles of advanced driving and shown that using auxiliary systems like the blue lights and automatic number plate recognition has had minimal impact on the driving range. Likewise, maintenance costs were minimal. Quote, After 15,000 miles, the only maintenance has been brakes and tires. No annual service schedules mean minimal running costs, time off the road, and competitive total cost of ownership, says again Mr. Tuz Hobson. He continues, uh, Brake wear has been minimal. After 10,000 miles of driving, the first set of pads still had 15 to 20% of use still in them. Uh, Tires are the same as ICEs and need replacing at around 8,000 miles. Well, uh, 8,000 miles of life on your tires isn't great. That's about half of what the consumer use Model 3 performance will get. That's I got about 16,000 out of my first set. Probably could have got a couple more if not for that pothole that blew out two tires. But even that that cost of tire replacement is easily outweighed by the fuel and maintenance cost savings. Now, it's also fair to point out the brake wear that they reported also nowhere near uh, what, I mean, that, that's so far beyond what a consumer Model 3 performance would would do. I mean, your brakes on a Tesla, regardless of what model you have, are going to last you a six-figure number of miles unless you're just constantly taking it to the track. That would really be the only uh, the only way that they would not last for a long time because, as all of you know, regenerative braking does the lion's share of the work once you've, once you've really got a good feel for the car so you just don't really need to use the friction brakes all that often. Uh, but, the, but the bottom line here, though, if UK police are impressed... And I know I'm kind of repeating myself from the last time that I did a Tesla as law enforcement vehicle story. But if the UK police are impressed, they're going to tell all of their fellow law enforcement agencies and it's going to spread in popularity just like it's done with consumers. You know, owners talk to their friends, their family, their neighbors. They give test drives and people fall in love with it. It's obviously a bit more complicated than that with a police cruiser, but these police forces will literally have the receipts showing how much cheaper and equally effective, if not more so, it was to use a Tesla as a squad car than to use an internal combustion engine car. So you love to see it. Nice work out of the UK uh, with the police department there rocking a Model 3 performance. Good stuff. Speaking of the Model 3, it has added a couple of new trophies to its trophy case this week. The first one comes from the uh, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, better known as the IIHS, 
Well, they have completed tests of the 2021 Model 3 and its new camera-based front crash prevention system, aka the vision setup, which rates superior for vehicle-to-vehicle interactions and advanced for pedestrian interactions. So superior rating and advanced rating. Elon Musk responding to this on Twitter saying, quote, top safety pick plus from IIHS. That's the highest overall rating, but we think we can get max score for all subcategories and individual tests too. Retesting in a month or so with improved software. The improved software will then be uploaded to all cars with FSD computers. Congratulations are in order here to, again, the entire Tesla team, the Model 3 development team, the software team. Uh, It's just, it's a tremendous achievement that it just, this car, which I'm so proud to own, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to own, just continues to get better. It continues to be the safest car for my family to ride around in. It's the most fun car for me. Uh, It's just been such a treat. Now, uh, I am still hoping, I'm perhaps Elon is alluding to it there about that improved software. I am still hoping for some significant improvement in the unexpected braking while on autopilot department. Thank you very much. That would be wonderful. But still, uh, this is great recognition for the 2021 Vision camera-based Model 3 and its uh, its vision-based autopilot system. Now, hey, by the way, a, a random thought. This is only tangentially related, but this occurred to me while I was taking my notes for this story. Have you guys noticed that Tesla has not, unless I've missed it, Tesla has not mentioned the Model 3 at all in the context of the two new Gigafactories? Again, Unless I've missed something, which is certainly possible. I don't, I'm not an all-seeing oracle over here. I'm doing my best. But I don't believe we've ever heard about the Model 3 eventually being built at Giga Texas or at Giga Berlin, nor have we heard any plans for the Model 3 to get the 4680 battery cells, which we've heard talked about with regard to the Model Y over and over again. That seems a little odd, don't you think? The Model 3 being this one of the two high-volume vehicles that the company makes that's greatly contributing to its profitability has, has seemingly had no mention of production at the new factories nor any mention of, of upgrading to Tesla's upcoming in-house just better in every way battery technology that's you know higher energy density and uh, you know structural battery pack and uh, cheaper for Tesla to make than the 2170. So I just that that thought occurred to me as I was writing these notes, and I just thought I would speak them out loud and see if anybody out there has either a any correction for me if I have indeed missed something, or b any theories as to why Tesla has seemingly been very quiet about this. Anyway, the other new trophy being added to the Model 3's trophy case this week, it comes from Edmonds, who has named the Model 3 its top EV for 2022. So best electric car for the year. This, by the way, is the third year in a row 
that the Model 3 has been given this award. Edmund saying, quote, give credit to Tesla. Despite an influx of new electric vehicles hitting the market, the company's Model 3 is the Edmunds top rated EV, a title it's now held for three years in a row. So I think very well deserved. And again, a hearty congratulations are in order for the entire Tesla team, particularly the entire Model 3 team. That is just tremendous news. I, as an owner, take a lot of pride in that. I think that's fantastic. And uh, it's again, you love to see it. Uh, finally this week, if you want more unique Tesla merchandise, Tesla continues its role. Uh, they've, they've posted another very unique piece of merchandise on shop.tesla.com. And it is the Giga Texas inspired don't mess with Tesla belt buckle, big old Texas belt buckle on its website. The product description is as follows, quote, celebrate our newest Gigafactory with Giga Texas belt buckle. With an intricate and detailed design, the buckle includes a prominent T logo atop the Texas Lone Star. Every Giga Texas belt buckle is manufactured from die cast zinc, engraved and then brushed with an antique silver finish, end quote. Well, I suppose, now I I found out about this before seeing the price. So I thought, I I played the game in my head. All right, I'm gonna guess how much Tesla's charging for this. So you've just heard the product description. You can kind of picture it if you hadn't seen pictures of this back when Tesla was just making some for its own, you know, it's like kind of in-house handouts for the team, little gifts for the team. And I thought, I thought, okay, a belt buckle and it's, you know, okay, die cast zinc. Oh, all right. 50 bucks. It is $150. It's three times that. Uh, I probably shouldn't be surprised after the stainless steel cyber whistle is $50, but I will admit I got a little bit of sticker shock when I looked at the price of the belt buckle. $150. I did not buy one. I'm not really a belt buckle guy, uh, at least not yet. I don't know. I get, maybe I should give it a try. But uh, I will say, in fairness, I don't know how much Texas-style belt buckles cost. So maybe, for all I know, $150 is a fair price. But as you have probably already guessed, it's sold out in less than a day. So it is currently out of stock as I record this. Perhaps it will come back into stock at some point. You know, here's a thought with the, and I think anybody that gets a, that, that has a reservation for the Cybertruck, similar to how the Model 3 reservation holders got the little die cast Model 3 when they took delivery of their car, I think that the Cybertruck reservation holders should all get a stainless steel don't mess with Tesla Texas belt buckle. That should be the little gift with your Cybertruck. I think that'd be cool. I don't know what the cost of that would be. I presume doing it out of stainless would probably cost more than die cast zinc. So maybe I'm just being unrealistic, but it would be a very fitting and fun little gift for new owners that, uh, that have had the reservation for, by the time it goes into production, they'll be 
uh, people that have had the reservation for five years. So that's, that's no small thing. Or excuse me, not five years, three years. Sorry, I'm confusing this with the Roadster. Roadster will be, oh gosh, Roadster's gonna end up being six years between reserva- between the earliest reservations, you know, it was unveiled November, 2017. And if it does go into production in, uh, what, 2023, I guess if it's early 2023, it'd be more like, five years and some change, but if it gets towards the back end of 2023, it's going to be almost six years. That's a long time. But in any case, I still think a stainless steel belt buckle with for Cybertruck reservation holders when they take delivery of their Cybertruck would be a really cool thing to do. Uh, anyway, slightly more practically when it comes to merchandise items on shop.tesla.com. Tesla is also offering paint-matched faceplates for the Gen 3 Tesla wall connector in your garage. They're $100 each, and they come in, as you have already guessed, the same five paint colors that Tesla is offering. You have multi-coat red, pearl white multi-coat, midnight silver metallic, solid black, and deep blue metallic. So if you've got a Gen 3, one of the latest, well not one, the latest version of the Tesla high power wall connector, you can now change out that faceplate if you would like to color match it to your car. Those are in stock, I believe. I should probably actually check before I I go ahead and say that. But uh, in any case, yeah, charging. Let's see here. It's got to be under charging, doesn't it? Let's see. Uh, I can't find it immediately. I'll look later, but oh, there it is. Wolf faceplate. Okay, yes, they they all seem to be in stock, so that is good news. All right. Uh, oh, one more thing. Sorry, I was wrong. There is one more thing, and it's a fun one. We have got ourselves a new video game coming to the Tesla fleet for free, of course. The 1991 Sega Genesis classic, Sonic the Hedgehog, is your newest game coming to your Tesla. And I'll tell you, I think this is going to be a fun one for all ages in the car. You've got uh, the levels themselves. The levels are pretty short, by and large. So you can have fun for just a few minutes if you're just, you know, waiting to pick your kid up at school or... You're just topping up at the supercharger, whatever you're doing. So you can play for a few minutes, still accomplish something. I think the 16-bit pixel art still looks fantastic to this day. And for those of us that are, you know, I guess probably it's my fellow 40-somethings and up, the you get, you get that nostalgia that ties into Sonic the Hedgehog as well. Now, I wish I could give the proper credit here but because I don't remember where I saw this, whether it was on Twitter or on Reddit, but someone made a brilliant suggestion. And if this is you, I I apologize for not taking note of of your username. But uh, anyway, this great suggestion that someone in the community made, which was to replace the famous Sonic the Hedgehog startup screen, where the first thing that comes, you plug in the cartridge and you turn the game on. And the first thing that comes up is a screen that that has the Sega logo and in a, a digitized voice, which back then in 1991, 
digitized voice speech coming out of the uh, out of your TV from a video game was kind of crazy. It was kind of unheard of. Anyway, you you turned on it would go Sega. Well, somebody had the great suggestion to change that in this version to Tesla, which would just be so good. That would be so good if Tesla could work with Sega to pull that off. Who knows? Could happen. Anyway, that is your Tesla news for this week. But stick with me. I will be back shortly with your Ride the Lightning Hotline, all of your excellent phone calls, great topics to discuss this week. But again, I've got a couple more of these. My wonderful friends at Wholesome Bakery backing the show, uh, putting the word out here through the month of December. I want to say thank you sincerely to Wholesome Bakery for continuing their support of the podcast. And again, uh, me, can't eat dairy, so dairy-free treats are my thing where I can find them. Wholesome Bakery has the best ones I have ever tasted, and it's not just about non-dairy. They make everything they make is plant-based. So you're, uh, it's also everything's organic, everything's gluten-free, everything is soy-free. There's no refined sugar in everything. So it's really a pretty guilt-free treat, a guilt-free snack, uh, guilt-free dessert. I'm very partial, as I've said, to their cookie sandwiches. It's two cookies that they have in several flavors. Chocolate chip, caramel, peanut butter chocolate cookie. Uh, there's a uh, like a Thin Mint one as well. Anyway, and the, the cookie sandwiches have a sort of a coconut-based cream filling in the middle. They are absolutely delicious, but they've got lots of other great stuff as well, like paleo-friendly fudge brownies. They've got marzipan truffles and a bunch more. The holidays are here. It's not too late to get an order in. And the good news is there is a 10% off discount waiting for you if this is going to be your first order. So they will ship anywhere in the United States. So I wanted to let you know about it here in case you'd like to give it a try. If you're if you're a vegan, if you have a, a vegan in your life that you care about, that you'd like to get them some treats for, if you just want to have less dairy in your diet, but still have some treats or, you know, whatever your reason for trying them out, give them a try. Wholesomebakery.com. That's W-H-O-L-E-S-O-M-E-B-A-K-E-R-Y.com. Just the two words. And use the coupon code NEWFRIEND for 10% off. All one word. So N-E-W-F-R-I-E-N-D. Use that code at checkout for 10% off of your first order. Wholesomebakery.com. Dot com. All right, be right back with the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Remember that I would love to hear from you. You can be a part of the podcast via the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your chance to call in and be heard here. You can do so in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software. Please record your question. Keep it to 90 seconds or less, if you don't mind, so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can just call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline with that same 90-second or less call. That toll-free number that you can call anytime is 
989-889-8752. Again, that's one 989 tsla And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick things off with Lorenzo from Portugal. Brian, it's Lorenzo from Portugal. Um, I was just listening to the latest episode, and you're talking about the Model S being spotted with uh, on a test track with uh, new taillights. Uh, and I'm guessing that maybe it could be that they're changing those because in Europe, the standard charging port is the CCS. So, uh, and as you know, the, the regular taillights of the, of the Model S up until now could not fit a CCS uh, cable. So maybe that those are the ones that are coming to Europe because I just don't see them having the, the plaid and the new long range and people having to get an adapter to charge, especially since that adapter, if I'm not mistaken, cannot even get to uh, 250 kilowatt uh, speeds, uh, charging speeds. So... Maybe that's it. I don't know. But I, I was really curious about this because I kept thinking they have to change that, that, those, those taillights for the, for the, for the, the European charging port to, to, a uh, charging cable to fit. So, well, just a thought. Hope you're well and happy holidays. Lorenzo, excellent observation here. You might very well be correct. Yes, now that I take a look at it again, the side of the taillight, the part where the charging port is, is indeed larger in the photos of this new taillight design, meaning not the the actual necessarily uh, the piece of the, the light itself, but the, on the S and the X as it's been, where it's, it's just that little corner bit that flips open and it's basically just big enough for the proprietary Tesla connector. This looks like it's more of a the flap, like a whole flap that that lifts up, s- similar to the way it happens on the Model 3 and the Model Y. So indeed, I think you might be onto something here. The question is, will Tesla only make this change for Europe whenever they do finally get around to selling the new S and the X there, per the story I talked about earlier in the podcast, or will this change roll out in North America as well? I suspect it, these taillights will be global, as I just, I can't imagine having uh, Tesla having different looking S's in different territories. But with Tesla, we know that, well, if we know anything, we know that we won't know for sure until the change actually rolls out. So thank you very much for your call, Lorenzo, and happy holidays to you as well. Here's Rob from the UK talking Title Tesla's latest audio uh, entertainment streaming option in the cars. Hi, Ryan. I just felt like pointing out what an amazing job Tesla have done implementing Tidal Hi-Fi in, uh, in their cars. I think this has probably gone largely unnoticed. The thing is, streaming lossless audio requires a large bandwidth. So when driving around with varying mobile signal, this results in uh, track skipping or playback just randomly stopping. So the way they've got around this is pretty cool. Effectively, 
If you're streaming music from Tidal, you're streaming lossy music. Unless um, you download the album or playlist uh, using a Wi-Fi connection to the car. And they've obviously worked with Tidal to, um, to implement this. So effectively, you just select the album or playlist you want to listen to in, uh, in Lossless Audio. While you're on Wi-Fi, you just hit the download button and it downloads the music to the car, um, which is stored for when you're driving around and, uh, and listening to the music. And I have to say, uh, I mean, not every track uh, sounds wildly different to, to Lossy Audio, but certain tracks that are originally recorded in, in, uh, with a good master, it, it does make a big difference. It sounds amazing. So, yeah, they've done a great job with, uh, with the Tidal implementation, and uh, I think it's probably going to go largely unnoticed, so I thought I'd point it out. For the benefit of your listeners that uh, want to get the best audio quality in their Tesla. Cheers, Ryan. Rob, thank you very much for this call because I agree with you that Tesla's implementation of Tidal in a recent software update probably has and will go largely unnoticed. And I uh, unnoticed, I should say. And I confess that I am one of those people who will, <laughs> for whom it will largely go unnoticed. Personally speaking, I have heard of Tidal, but uh, I know it's Neil Young's big thing, right? But I have uh, never signed up for it because, quite frankly, I know that you need premium speakers to get the most out of the lossless audio. And for me, I do probably the bulk of my music listening on my Apple AirPods Pro headphones when I'm walking Daisy. Now, I know those headphones are decent, but I suspect that audiophiles out there, and I say that with full respect, and Rob, perhaps this includes you, uh, might cringe when you hear that I'm listening to music on Apple AirPods Pro or any earbuds for that matter. But to your credit, Rob, you've made me realize something. I do also listen to a lot of music while I'm in the car. I would say maybe it's a 50-50 split between walking the dog and listening to stuff on the, the AirPods and listening in the car. And in the car... I do have a pretty darn good audio system thanks to Tesla and the audio engineers who work there. So, you know, maybe I will look into Tidal and give it more serious consideration now. I was looking at their website after I listened to your call. They do offer a trial version where it's, you know, only a couple bucks for the first month or first couple months. And then there's a $10 a month plan and a $20 a month plan. And the the twenty dollar a month plan, I was I was really kind of having trouble seeing what the real benefit there is. Maybe Rob, maybe you can email me back if you have an opinion on this or anybody else. The bit rate is on the on the streaming music is pretty high on the standard ten dollar a month plan. It's astronomically high on the twenty dollar a month plan. But outside of that, I didn't, I was like, I don't know if that's worth double the price. So anyway, I'm going to take a look at it for sure. And if I have any title users out there, be it Rob or anyone else that, that want to sort of speak to either the, you know, if they rec- if you recommend one tier or the other of that subscription, I would be happy to hear from you. Next up, here is Nick from Illinois. 
Hello Ryan, my name is Nick from Illinois and I am a reservation holder for a Midnight Silver Metallic Model 3. I'm a fan of the podcast and last week after hearing about the newest accessories, I wanted to give a shout out to the Tesla track pants. They're really comfortable and my wife tells me I look good in them so that's a bonus. Living in Illinois, I've been watching the Rivian, uh, the growth of Rivian with great interest. I'm a fan of the Cybertruck but the Rivian looks much less polarizing. I have a two-part question. One, how long will it take for the Cybertruck to overtake the Rivian in total units produced due to their manufacturing experience? And the second part is, who's going to make more trucks in 2023, Rivian, Ford, or Tesla? Thanks. Love the podcast. Thank you for your call, Nick. And hey, congratulations on your upcoming Model 3. You pose a fun question here, and while none of us have a crystal ball, it's still fun to speculate based on what we do know about these companies, and specifically these three trucks. First, let me add that I agree the Rivian looks absolutely phenomenal. They seem to have hit an absolute home run with their first vehicle, similar to how Tesla did the same with the Model S. And Yes, I know the S wasn't technically Tesla's first vehicle, but it was their first vehicle made completely in-house and their first more mass-market vehicle. The Roadster was a very limited production sports car built in partnership with Lotus, of course. Anyway, uh, you almost have to in order to get traction, meaning build that home run. Like your first car has got to be a home run. I mean, again, we saw it with Tesla. We're seeing it now with the Rivian R1T and the Lucid Air. So the Lucid was Motor Trend's car of the year. The Rivian was Motor Trend's truck of the year. That certainly never happened where both car and truck of the year from the uh, established folks at Motor Trend are electric vehicles. Uh, Now, I wish absolutely nothing but the best for both of those cars because the more great EV options that are out there, the better for customers, and quite honestly, the better for these companies to spur competitive improvements, and also the better for our air quality as well. Now, to your questions, number one, I do think Tesla will overtake Rivian pretty quickly in terms of truck production. I think that'll happen in 2023. Now, with no disrespect to Rivian, but the thing is, they are now where Tesla was with the S nine years ago. Tesla is way ahead of them with regard to manufacturing experience, even if, you know, a lot of of the established automakers or fans of established automakers like to say, well, Tesla, they've only been manufacturing cars for like a decade. They don't have the, the prowess that, you know, Ford or any of these other companies do, and that's certainly true to an extent. But by comparison, Tesla is Ford, to Rivian being Tesla in terms of manufacturing experience. That doesn't make the R1T any less excellent of a vehicle, but it is true. And number two, piggybacking on what I just said, I don't think it will be Rivian with regard to who makes more trucks in 2023, Ford, Rivian, or Tesla. I think it's down to Ford or Tesla. Ford should already be well into production on the Lightning in 2023, whereas Tesla expects to go into volume production in 2023 on the Cybertruck after kicking off production 
in some capacity in late 2022. But Tesla's volume production on the Cybertruck, when they get there, is going to be greater than Ford's with the Lightning because batteries. Tesla's got the battery supply. Ford does not. So I'm going to say that Ford makes more electric trucks in 2023, but I'll bet it'll be close either way. 2024 onwards, I think it will be no contest, not even close. It will be the Cybertruck as the highest volume of those vehicles, unless Ford finds a way, uh, or excuse me, they find a whole bunch more battery cells hiding under a rock somewhere. Uh, And I almost mean that literally, since of course they need lithium to build the batteries. Uh, you know, that will allow them to thus ramp up lightning production. If they can get the batteries, they can ramp the production on the trucks. I mean, heck, Ford just stopped taking reservations on the lightning because they know they don't have the battery supply to feed them all, which again, I'm not saying that in a malicious way. I'm not saying that as a Tesla fanboy attacking Ford. I just say that matter of factly, because, I mean, that is both a good and a bad problem, right? It is good that there is high demand for the Lightning. It is bad that they do not have, seemingly, the battery production or, or battery sourcing to keep up with that demand. So, cheers, Nick. And uh, thank you, by the way, for the tip about the Tesla track pants. I might have to get myself a pair, maybe treat myself for the holidays. Next up this week, here's Peter from Salem responding to the notion of a quad motor Cybertruck. Hey, Ryan. Um, it's Peter from Salem, um, Oregon. I hope all is well. Um, I was just listening to your podcast, the most recent one, and about you know, the whole Cybertruck news um, with uh, the quad motor being now the priority, so to speak. Those are going to be built before, or delivered before the dual and triple motor ones. Um, And I was kind of just wondering, or I was thinking, is that meant to be some sort of sly or clever little business tactic um, to maybe increase sales or get a little more money? Um, Because if you think about it, at least the way I thought about it is, you know, of course, there's probably people who are waiting on their dual and triple motor, and now they're going to have to wait a little bit longer. And for some of them, they might really want that truck, so they'll probably just pay that additional amount to get their truck sooner rather than later. Um, I think if I were a Cybertruck uh, purchaser, um, which I'm not, sadly, but hopefully eventually will be, um, I would probably be a little bit disappointed if I hear that now Tesla is prioritizing this new version versus the one that let's say I've been waiting for for a couple of years. Again, if I had purchased one or pre-purchased one. So I was just kind of wondering what your thoughts are. Like, is this just meant to, um, you know, get a little more money out of people? Or is it just a, uh, you know, I guess I don't even know really what to ask specifically, but I'm hoping you understand my question and um, I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. I see where you're coming from, Peter, and while I obviously can't know for sure without having Elon here to ask him, and by the way, if you're out there, Elon, I would love to have you back on the podcast for another interview, but my suspicion is that the answer is not on purpose. Tesla has done this before in a more formal way, I'd like to point out, without uh, either condemning the practice or applauding it, the Signature Series Model X. Those were all maxed out configurations and they were built first. So if you wanted it sooner, 
that was the way that you could guarantee it was by getting every option, paying more money. The same will be true again with the next-gen Tesla Roadster, which up until quite recently, as I talked about last week, had a $250,000 Founders Edition that would be built before the general production cars that are going to start at $200,000. Elon has talked before about how the first cars off the line are the most expensive to build, since the line is moving slowest, the tooling costs haven't been recouped yet, etc., etc. So I think the idea of selling the top-end version of the product first does make sense from a business perspective, even if the side effect is that it can look a bit greedy to some reservation holders, which, by the way, I think they have every right to feel. I'm not taking Tesla's side here. Uh, I'm just trying to see both sides of it. Uh, you know, I don't, again, I don't think Tesla is intentionally trying to get them to pay more to get their vehicle sooner. I think they just kind of know the reality that there are going to be going to be people that will pay top dollar for the maxed out config. And that's going to make more business sense for Tesla. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not an ideal solution. I don't know what is an ideal solution that would meet both Tesla's business needs and be more fair to consumers, but uh, this is what it is for better or for worse at this point as I just, you know, throw out a bunch of metaphors and phrases. Uh, one more call this week. It's going to come to us from Walt in Manchester, California. Hi, Ryan and Daisy the Boxer. The other day I was on 101 in Northern California and it was quite foggy and my autopilot kept kicking out because it couldn't see the road, question mark. I was wondering if, um, beings how I have a 2018 June model of the three, if it has anything to do with Tesla going to complete vision only, if it's dropped the uh, different kinds of radar and stuff that we already had from 2018. Just interested in your comment and or if any of your listeners have any ideas. Thanks. Have a great day. Hey, Walt, great to hear from you. I am almost fully certain that the cars with radar have not had it completely disabled as of yet. And I know this because all of the vision-only troubles on highway autopilot that the FSD beta testers, who are forced to have their radars turned off, when they, of course, voluntarily accept them. I, forced is a very strong word. I should probably not use that word. But what the FSD beta testers who volunteer to have their radars turn off when they voluntarily accept the full self-driving beta, as well as those folks with, it's about what, I think it was May 2021 and newer, threes and wise, have been having. So that's it. This, is, this is a unique problem that's going on right now that is not happening with radar-enabled cars. Unless you've got the FSD beta in your car, you should still have radar active and working in tandem with your cameras as part of your autopilot system. Why you're still having trouble in fog, I'm not quite sure, but I do hope that helps clarify things for you at least a little bit. Thanks, as always, for calling in, Walt, and thanks to everybody who took the time to call in. I will get to more phone calls on next week's show, of course, so if you'd like to dial in and have your voice heard here on the Ride the Lightning Hotline, you can do so in one of the two easy ways that I told you about at the top of this segment. 
Stick with me, though. I've got a bit more show for you. The good Daisy news that I alluded to at the top of the podcast, I will cover that next in my uh, sort of little Ryan's Corner here near the end of the podcast. Coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Welcome back. Well, 10 months ago, I sat in the parking lot of the veterinary cardiologist in tears because uh, my dog was being admitted. I was going home without her. I knew she had a gigantic heart and and lungs full of fluid from a chest X-ray and that she had uh, significant heart disease. And I thought, is she? I don't know if she's going to die or if she might just have a very, very shortened life. I don't know what's going to happen. And I had to go home and tell my wife and my daughter that, uh, the latter of whom is absolute best friends with Daisy. And uh, it, we switched the diet, uh, hoping that it was a diet-induced situation due to this link between uh, cardiomyopathy, dilated, cardio, 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 uh, dilated cardiomyopathy, sorry, in dogs and grain-free diets. Um, you know, she's so young, right? She was three years old at the time and, and we had started our battery of medications and we kept going back and we kept getting checkups and she was improving. And at the six month mark, four months ago, the six month checkup was really good. She was looking great. Her heart was back down to normal size, but high normal. It was bigger, you know, it was on the high end of normal. Her lungs were still clear. But her heart function, the strength of her heart muscle pumping, was still not what it's supposed what it needs to be. And what I had been told prior to that, I had said a while ago, well, what's the best case scenario here? What is the what's the most optimistic scenario? And I was told an 80% recovery that she has seen dogs that make an 80% recovery. So I thought, okay, well, that would be pretty great. Under the circumstances, if we could get to 80%, that would be hopefully mean a a pretty long, pretty healthy life. Well, this past week, I took Daisy in for another checkup. We didn't have to go for four months because she had such a good checkup at six months. So it had been four months. So here we are, 10 months in, Daisy goes in. So they don't let you uh, go inside due to COVID. So what happens is you go, you're in the parking lot, you check in on your phone, you tell them where you're parked. They come out, a technician comes out, then they call you, and then the technician comes out, they get the dog, they bring the dog in. You go back, you sit in your car, you wait for the you know, tests and the exam to be performed. The dog comes back out, and then you sit in your car and you wait a little longer for the doctor to go through everything and then call you. So I have never met Daisy's veterinary cardiologist face-to-face, Dr. Silverman at Sage Veterinary Center, Redwood City, California. I want to speak her name here. Uh, Dr. Silverman calls me. And I got to say, first of all, this woman, Dr. Silverman, from the jump has been amazing. Like, I just got the sense, 
Because if you remember, if you've been listening a long time, you know that Maggie had heart troubles, which I talked about when Daisy's heart troubles came up that, well, gosh, I was feeding Maggie a grain-free diet too. Did I, did I do this to two of my dogs unknowingly? But that's neither here nor there. So, but anyway, so I, I had a wonderful, a, a veterinary cardiologist I loved with Maggie because uh, him, with him, Dr. Williams was his name. He, uh, he, he had Maggie in such good shape, although Maggie's issue was electrical. Daisy's issue was structural. So there was a difference between the two. Uh, but, but Dr. Williams had Maggie in such good shape. We, you know, we'd adjusted the medications over time and, but Maggie didn't die of heart related things. So that's, you know, he, so I was, I was all set. Like I, in my head, I'm thinking, well, all right, if this is a real, this is going to be a heart situation, I should go find Dr. Williams and go back to him. Well, right from the jump, Dr. Silverman instilled a ton of confidence. She let me know that she has seen boxers before. She knows boxers. And she laid out a, a very clear plan. She gave me, I asked her for a specific food recommendation. What would you do for food in this situation? She said, oh, I would do, I, in fact, I forget what the other one. She gave me two. One, and then she said, Royal Canaan, the boxer variant. Okay, I'm going to go get that. So anyway, I followed her instructions to a T. Daisy's been improving. I was told 80%, as I said, would be the best case scenario. This week, Daisy gets her examination, gets an echocardiogram. I get the phone call. Daisy's heart is fully normal. It is normal size, not high normal, normal normal size. And its function is normal. Not, I won't get into details. It's like, it's not uniformly normal, but in overall operation, the point is it's normal. So she has, in effect, I, I mean, I guess she, the doctor would never use the word cured. I would, in, in this case, she has, let's put it this way. She has made a full recovery. She has defied the expectations and the odds. And I sat in that same parking lot in tears again, but this time tears of joy. This was my own real life Christmas miracle. I did not expect this. I did not think this option was on the table, but through expert care. And I mean, all I did was love this dog to, to, to with everything I've got. And my family has done the same and we've never missed a, a, a pill time. We've, you know, we've, we've done everything we can do. And she is now a fully heart healthy dog again. And I'm, I'm getting choked up. Just, just tell, telling the story again. I could not be more grateful for this. I mean, this dog means the world to me. All, you know, everybody, those of you with pets, you know, I mean, uh, your pets, most people, their, their pets mean, mean a lot to them. And, Daisy's no different for me, and I just, uh, this was amazing. This was amazing. I just wanted to share this with you guys because, you know, I always mention, I, I always jokingly refer to Daisy as the the four-legged co-host of this show and, and Maggie before her, and you guys know how much uh, my boxers have, have meant to me and, and mean to me now. So I wanted to share that good news. It's absolutely amazing, and I, again, I could not be more grateful. If you are in the... San Francisco Bay Area, 
I am not saying that there aren't other great veterinary cardiologists out there, because there clearly are. Again, Dr. Williams, who my understanding is he practices in Oakland now, whereas he was right in San Francisco when, when I was seeing him with Maggie. But uh, Dr. Silverman, Sage Veterinary Center, Redwood City, down on the peninsula. If you have a veterinary cardiology situation, you you will be in great hands if you see her. So... Uh, I hope you're never in that situation. Let me say that. But if you are, that is who I would who I would uh, happily refer you to. She's wonderful. So uh, so grateful for Daisy, and that it, it just it made it made my week, it made my month, it made my year to think that when this year started, Daisy had a rapidly literally growing heart problem that I was unaware of on January 1st. And then it all came to a head in early February and here coming out of 2021, we've made it all the way back to a fully heart healthy dog. So just incredible, just incredible. All right. Pro tip of the week time, James from Austin. Go ahead, James. Hey, Ryan, longtime listener of the show, huge fan. Um, I just want to call in with this pro tip of the week because it's something that I discovered just a few days ago on my own, and it's kind of game-changing. So I've been living on the FSD beta for a while, and uh, sometimes I'll be canceling the lane changes that it suggested. And this pro tip works on Navigate on Autopilot uh, for highways too. But basically, whenever a lane change is suggested, you know it says tap to cancel on the screen if you don't want it to do that change. Um, so sometimes I'll be fumbling, you know, most of the time I'll be fumbling to touch it on the screen to cancel it. But I didn't know that you can just press the uh, turn signal in the opposite direction to cancel the lane change that it's suggesting. And that can save so much time and it allows you to not let your hands off the wheel and you can just cancel it really quickly. So for all of you out there, know that all you got to do is if it's giving you a lane change that you don't want to do, you don't need to fumble real quick to try to press the cancel button. You can just press the turn signal in the opposite direction and you will be able to cancel that lane change. So thanks again. And I hope that y'all like this suggestion and it improves your day-to-day use of autopilot. Thanks. James, thank you very much for that one. And uh, we're talking about pets here at the end of the podcast. James, please say hi to your cat for me because he clearly really wanted to be on the podcast as well could hear your cat back there, which was great. So thank you so much. Uh, If anyone else out there has a pro tip of the week, some little shortcut, some little not obvious thing, something of interest that you'd like to share about the Teslas with your fellow owners and Tesla enthusiasts, please call in to the Ride the Lightning hotline. I would love to share it with the world and I would love to accumulate that knowledge and learn more myself. So you can dial that in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. All right, just a few mentions of friends of the podcast here before I hit the road. Everyamp.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for the front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds. Grill safe, radiator safe, autopilot safe, paint safe. There's no automotive tape 
No automotive adhesive involved here. It's a nice, clean, minimalist design. It's gonna blend nicely with your car. You can take it off easily for car shows, you know, cars and coffee. You can take it off while you're washing it, cleaning it. You can put it back on if you're parked at a parking meter to avoid a ticket there. Put it back on for a toll road, whatever you wanna do. Gotta get this, if you, if you need a front plate, if your state calls for it, and you wanna get a front plate on there, don't use the one that Tesla includes with your car because that sticks onto the front of your car with automotive tape. Use the snap plate and get yours for the S, X, 3, or Y at everyamp.com slash RTL. Meanwhile, everything you could probably want for your Tesla, as far as aftermarket accessories goes, can be found at abstractocean.com including the new fourth generation tempered glass screen protectors, all kinds of cool interior lighting kits, both in you know white light, but also colored lights. If you really wanna have a little extra fun with your interior, there's, there's those options for you as well. There's the rear footwell lighting kit, which again, I think is especially great for the Model Y. All that much more, you gotta just browse around. Take a look over there, abstractocean.com. Put everything you like into your cart and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. That's RTLPODCAST, all one word, at abstractocean.com. If you are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area and you'd like to treat your car to a spa day, look no further than Immaculate Reflections Go to the website, irdetailing.com, to contact and book in with Jeff, Jeff McGovern, the wonderful proprietor of Immaculate Reflections. Whether you want to do paint correction, paint protection film on some or all of the car, or ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the car for the next three to five years, or a combination of those three, give Jeff a call, or I should say, Get in touch with them through the website, irdetailing.com. And if you do book a service with Jeff, be sure to mention, hey, I'm a Ride the Lightning listener. I heard you have a nice discount waiting for me. And Jeff will say, yes, why in fact, I do. Thank you very much for mentioning that. And you'll get that discount. So irdetailing.com. How about puretesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. 49 bucks shipped free anywhere in the United States, that's gonna get you the 128 gigabyte pure Tesla kit, plugs into USB, but it is a micro SD memory-based solution designed for the constant reading and writing that the dash cam and sentry mode demand. It's not gonna wear out on you. I'm still, I'm, I've been using mine for, gosh, when, oh, you know what? I think I got mine from Jeff we met face to face at the Cybertruck event. And I think that's where he gave me. So I think my kit is two years old now, still working perfectly. So I highly recommend this because you want to have the sentry mode and the dash cam in the car. Because God forbid, if something happens and then you'll look and you're like, oh, I didn't have the, the pure Tesla kit. I wasn't recording it. And that's just going to make, you know, make things a little more difficult with insurance or, or what have you. So 
Grab yours at puretesla.com slash RTL. They've also got those nice, low-profile, slim, wireless game controller kits as well, if that is of interest to you. Finally, my friends at Jada, their full line of Tesla accessories, whether it's my favorite, the wireless charging pad for the 2017 to 2020 Model 3s, or the uh, USB hub or hub consoles, or Jada trays, they've got so many excellent products over there at Jada. Uh, I've got a coupon code for them as well. The code is simply RTL. Use that at checkout. To get those products, please use my referral link, which is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. Finally, you can subscribe to slash follow this podcast, whatever the podcast platform holders are calling it these days. But you can get this podcast delivered to you every week for free automatically by subscribing slash following at any of the big podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify, which are both natively available in your car. Or you can also listen or subscribe via my YouTube channel, which again, doesn't have any video on it, but if you just want to listen that way, you can easily do that. If you're going to do that on YouTube, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla so that I come up and not Metallica. Uh, So just search that on YouTube and you will find my channel where you can easily subscribe. Finally, the Patreon. Let me mention that we're at the end of the year. You know, it's the holidays. Hopefully you've gotten a lot out of the podcast this year. Hopefully you've seen that I haven't missed a week, that I've had a show for you each and every single week of the year, every single Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. Again, I, I feel like I ha- that's the only way I can earn your support and earn your trust and earn your, your listenership. Because if I'm not there every week at the same time, well, you're well within your rights to go listen to something else. You know, if, if I'm not reliable, then what good am I? So I, I you know, take a lot of pride in, uh, in being there on time for you every week and, and doing the best podcast I can. And perhaps today, perhaps tomorrow, maybe soon, you'll say to yourself, you know what, Ryan, I'm going to support you on Patreon because I think you've earned it. And that's the thing. I do have to earn it. But if, uh, if you have reached that point, where you'd like to back my efforts here on Patreon, you can do so on my Patreon page. Find it at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. There are both monthly and annual, so once, once a month or once a year, pledge options. If you do the annual one, you get a 5% discount on your pledge. So that's kind of a cool uh, you know, hopefully a nice little incentive to maybe go that way if it, if it makes more sense for you. But there's, uh, you know, the, it starts at the the sport tier, which is five bucks a month. That'll get you early access. In fact, in this week's case, it would get you extra early access because I'm recording on a Thursday night. The new, the uh, $10 tier, ludicrous tier, gets you the early access and the monthly bonus episode, which as I have, have mentioned, is changing. It's going to be a different format. It's going to be longer. And I'm going to, I'm going to be rolling that out at the 1st of January. So I'll tell you about that 
I guess not next week's show, but the one after. So uh, I'll have more information there. And then it goes up, you know, I've got the, the plaid tier, the maximum plaid tier, and even the roadster in space tier, which gets everything, including a one-on-one Google Hangout with me every month. So anyway, uh, if you would be so kind at some point to say, uh, to say, you know what, Ryan? Yes, I'm going to support you. You can do that again on patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And let me now, to conclude the show, thank the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier backers who have earned that as part of their uh, as part of their perk for their Plaid uh, their their pledge level. Starting with the Plaid level supporters, the newest Plaid backer. Thank you very much to T. Kirk Lowry, as well as the rest of the Plaid crew: George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas. Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, The Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Rick Dean, and not Elon Musk. And then the Maximum Plaid crew, thank you very much to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Charles Galpin, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Zachary Howard, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, John Cody, Aaron, SonarTech77, and Andre Kent. And then the Roadster in Space tier backers, thank you goes out to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, Richard Stokes, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, and Howard Anthony Smith. Thank you all so very much. And I guess, no, this is the last podcast before Christmas. So if you're celebrating, hope you have a wonderful Christmas. And I will be back uh, regular time. I'll have the show 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Sunday the 26th, and then after that, regular time, on you know, be January 2nd. So again, the show will continue as normal, but yeah, hope you're all having a wonderful holiday season, hopefully a safe one, a healthy one, and a, a joyous one with your friends and family, and uh, for me, yeah, I'm, uh, I'll be, I'll be just happy to have a, a, you know, healthy family, which includes a healthy Daisy the Boxer. So happy about that. All right, that will wrap it up for me here on episode 333 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. 
Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.